0: Show today. Um, once again, we're talking about technology, uh, hopeful breakthroughs, exciting possibilities. And really, the focus for today's show is going to be on orthopedic surgeons, you know, the training, the advancements, robots. I mean, it's just a fun, geeky show. We want to welcome everyone to the show. Happy holidays to everyone out there. We really appreciate you listening to the show. Dr. Grant Garcia our orthopedic surgeon and sports medicine specialist. Check him out at GrantGarciaMD.com, also at Orthopedic OrthopedicSpecialistOfSeattle.com. Dr. Garcia, how are you today?
1: I'm good. Looking forward to the uh, holidays, um, just you know, wrapping up the year. End of the year for orthopedic surgeons is really busy because everyone tries to get in with their deductible, so we're doing lots of extra work at the end of the year, um, but you know, able to help all these patients out so they're not paying another cost next year, so
0: yeah and and listen everyone appreciates i know everybody's running into you know i I just came from the dentist today and you know they were like all right i think we should take x-rays of your teeth your teeth look fine but let's take x-rays because you know once again to going back to the point they just made you know everyone's trying to get in and you know check off all the boxes so we we know how it is at at every level and we appreciate all the work that you do um and hopefully you're going to get a few days off to um enjoy some family time doing these uh doing these holidays. So that'll be great. Let's get right into it. Um, When we think about orthopedic surgeons, we think about what they do and how they help people and, you know, everything that corresponds with your field. But when you take a second to think about how do you upkeep your training, what is some of the future training or some of the things that you're doing as an orthopedic surgeon uh, to pretty much better yourself?
1: So I think we start off sort of at the, the resident fellow level, which is, you know, you're done with medical school, you know, you're into orthopedic surgery, and then, you know, you're going to your residency. So before, you know, there's, we have more and more constant articles about how we're going to train the future so that our residents come out with the ability to do things better than we're able to do, do the surgeries more comfortably and be safer for the patients. Because, you know, the last thing you want is somebody starting with a patient rather than learning first on cadaver. Um, and in augmented reality. So we're getting better. I mean, even in my residency, we had um, certain anatomic models that would do three-dimensional spatial stuff and give you the feedback you normally get uh, so you could learn how to do scopes and those things. Because really scoping um, and doing sort of uh, arthroscopy and minimally invasive stuff is the most challenging from a learning standpoint because you're not looking at it. You know, there's learning the anatomy, but that sort of feedback loop you have With any stuff you know endoscopic spine you name it you know you really have to learn um there's a learning curve to that and so that's what these uh, devices are so we have they're getting better and better where you know you can almost feel like you're actually taking care of a real patient when you're doing it and then when you actually go into the operating room to work with the surgeon you're working with you know your skills are significantly improved um and that's really what we need and we're going to keep getting that to the point where you know you can have a fair amount of training after hours on that so you don't violate the workout rules which you don't have time to go into mm. um, and then when you're in the when you're in during your regular work hours you're able to be more productive um, and be more successful and you come out better you're not you know you're not as some people have you know the first few years are still a learning curve you're still learning your first few years of practice this way you're sort of hitting the ground running you know because everyone has a different level of training they come out with but this would sort of help us have benchmarks and so i think that's where we're headed and we already are there but there's even more of a pressure on it to do better because in the united states it's different than european countries you know the, the european training method you might not be out you your 40 mm. being a full-time surgeon you know it takes a lot longer to travel and it's a different totally different setup and versus in america you know surgeons 32 33 that's still on the older range if you talk about the average person coming out in the workforce but for you know for patients they want to see that right they want to know that you've been excellent trained before you have that opportunity to take care of them
0: uh, yeah, of course. It, it, it's a matter of comfort also, right? I, I mean, it's important to know, and and I do this, right? You know, when I look for whether, you know, any doctor, you know, I, I look at their history, where they went to school, where was their next step, you know, where did they go practice, where they learned. So, you know, I'm looking at their timeline, as far as uh, the history and and the education that they have. So that's just something that's normal for, you know, us patients to say, I want to do a little bit of research. I want to make sure um, that I'm getting the right doctor for myself and that I'm going to feel comfortable. And sometimes that even comes down to, you know, um, you know, whether it's a race or a culture or something like that, you know, that I might feel more comfortable. So there's so many different elements that a patient thinks about when they're selecting their doctor. So the more information that they have, there's a comfort level. Um, and, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's just kind of my method. You know, it doesn't mean that it's right. But it, it, I, I want to be comfortable walking into your office and having a conversation with you and, and knowing that saying, you know, I, I feel comfortable uh, in your hands. And, you know, I was just looking up. I said, you know, what's the standard? You know, what's the standard for you to become an orthopedic surgeon? And they say roughly the standard is 14 years of education. How long did you take um, and and what was that process for you? Because like you mentioned, you know, uh, you know, Europe and other places, you can spend a lot of time in school and getting ready before you even, you know, have a patient.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm uh, on the faster end. You know, I did straight through. no breaks or stops wait nerd i know exactly exactly (laughs) but you knew this was coming when you started talking about that um but you know it's the standard you know five years four years med school five years residency one year fellowship you know and then you get your job and you know hopefully you're proficient enough to be able to do the things that you want to do um in europe once that hits then you're at you know another four or five years of apprenticeship where you do some things but you're not always fully hands-on um but it's a different, it, we don't, I don't want to contrast those things today talking about technological breakthroughs. Yep. Um, and I don't want to change the segment um, direction we're going, but also something we do currently uh, for technology is we're continuing to improve things. You know, there are constantly new things coming out, and I go to the lab, there's a really good lab down in uh, Renton um, that I actually practice things if I'm going to do something that's more unique or newer. Um, And I do those things all the time, every five, six months, to continue to be the best I can be, wow. and be on the cutting edge. Um, and, and not everybody does that, but again, I take care of some pretty challenging things um, and some pretty technologically advanced techniques that I'm trying to do. And so, you know, I have most of the tools to do it. I just haven't done that combined thing yet. And so then, okay, I'll go and practice there, and then I come out, I feel you know good about it because obviously it's just hard for people to understand that you know this 15 part procedure you're doing, you know, you haven't done all these things together. Well, yes, I have, but you know, the combination is always good to practice again before you do it in real life. It's just the way it works. These are behind the scenes type of things.
0: Yeah. And then there,
1: you know, there's always augmented things like videos and those type of things that have the augmented reality that help you prepare and understand what you're doing conceptually. You just, every time you're always still learning. So,
0: Listen, and and I was teasing you before we started the show, you know, I I was saying, I said, listen, I want the nerd as my doctor. I want someone that's going to really know what they're doing and continue to advance in their technology. All right, let's get into the fun stuff here. All right. some of the scary stuff that I saw about two weeks ago was on online, uh, social media, um, you know, MIT is, you know, doing these robotics and, you know, facial expressions and they wear, th- the way they're reacting. And I'm like, okay, this is straight out of Terminator. We're all going to die and this is going to be crazy. But for your field and the purposes of your field, how important is the future of robotics going to be in uh, orthopedics?
1: So I think there's a couple ways you can think about it. One is like straight up robots. Like you hear people are operating, there's a robot actually operating and you're doing it from, you know, the the long-term goal would be to take, you know, some of the best surgeons you have and be able to give that access to other people, right? So you're in other places, overseas, et cetera, and you're able to do the surgery yeah. so that the person can have the best person and not have to worry about flying, you know, from India or from Japan and going to the United States or vice versa to see the best guy. That stuff, I think we're a ways out from that because obviously you have to worry about, you know internet lag and those type of things. Um, the, the future, what we currently have is, you know, the sensors, the virtual reality. So there's implants that people put in, like some of the tone ear implants you can now that have like sensors. So they'll tell you how complacent the patient is, whether they're loading differently, how many, you know, when they're taking breaks, we can also monitor things, you know, speed of the implant and those type of things and look at wear patterns, even then it's completely safe to have that in the built into the implant itself. Um, and, you know, from the 3D printing model, that's an amazing uh, – that's that's a game changer over the last five years, I'd say. You know, I do shoulder replacements, and I get a 3D printed model of the person's shoulder that I can work with on the outside during the surgery. So I can say, okay, this is exactly where this special guide will go. Mm. I have planned the whole surgery before I go in there. And then I have these augmented guides that are 3D printed with – Um, and I can actually put the pin in the exact spot that I want to put it. It's way more precise even than doing it naturally. Like I I can do it normally, but having this just adds even more precision, especially for the complex cases. And, you know, I'm doing these special osteotomies and we can, they can 3d print this guide with everything on there with all the cuts and then even have the little things you want to, if you want to add more surgeries to that actual cut, it can be all built into the guide for you. All 3d printed custom for the patients. I mean, so this is the, this is pretty slick stuff. And you and you're playing the whole surgery ahead of time. You can see your whole template and you can adjust things. Like I just talked to one company from France and I was on the zoom call with them. I'm like, okay, move this pin here a little bit more, blah, blah, blah. And you can like plan everything ahead.
0: So, so do you think that hopefully every hospital, every clinic is going to have access to, uh, 3d printing so they can have, uh, the ability to do what you're doing now?
1: I think that that will get there, but really what it is, is that they put the onus on the implant companies. So the companies are the ones that print it and then ship it in. The key is the speed really, because there's still lag, you know, one month delay. Yeah. So if someone needed like a more urgent surgery, you know, you're not getting the guides that you want done. And again, all of us can do it freehand. It's not a problem, but this makes it more precise, faster surgery, less x-rays. All this is better for the patients. Um, You know, no matter what a surgeon tells you, the computer in certain aspects can be better than the surgeon and help them, right? Rather than just saying, I'm just going to do everything by my natural state.
0: You you mentioned beforehand um, about uh, doctors from around the world, you you know, maybe there'll be a day when, you know, they could sit in their office, you know, 5,000 miles away and be able to perform. Um, surgeries, you know, and uh, I think we're getting into, uh, you know, virtual reality and obviously it's so popular, especially, you know, whether it's vi- video games and Oculus and, you know, things like that. Where do you see virtual reality um, where there's 10, 20, 30 years from now in your field?
1: So it's already there um, and it's really new. So it's barely been used, but like for putting in shoulder replacements, they have a heads up display on one eye. So you're still able to see the surgery from both eyes, but it's right there. And then when you're operating, you can see on a three D model where you're putting your pin or where you're cutting. Yeah. Um, and then even might show up on the screen. You know, when I do some of the videos on the website are done with a head camera, so it's a 4k camera with a heads up display. It looks like a terminator, um, in there. Yeah. And that's the same setup that you can use. Now, obviously these are surgeries that you want to have people that know what they're doing because, you know, putting all that equipment on does, you have to you feel comfortable with the surgery. You can't just go in there for your first, you know, second case and have all this equipment on you. So there's definitely a learning curve the more you stuff you keep adding, but in the right hands, it's much better for the patients. Um, And again, we're not there yet for the technology to be mainstream and we'll get into this. But again, everything's at a cost. That's the issue. So, you know, this is not something you can offer everywhere in the world. Yeah. And even some patients, unfortunately, the insurance doesn't cover it. And so it just depends on the situation.
0: Wow. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. I mean, this is just straight out of a, a, a sci fi, you know, book, you know, it's saying uh, what the possibilities are, which is obviously it's exciting, you know, but it like you said, it comes with a cost. And, um, you know, there's still, you know, certain complications when it comes to that. L- let's talk about um, training. You know, we're we're having these advancements and this is no longer just, you know, you being in front of a patient, but if you are using virtual reality, you know, where do you see training in your field and and how is everyone going to have access to this? Is this something that, you know, you're going to have to, you know, take time, uh, go somewhere, or is this something that's easy as just going online and you can get that training?
1: It's not usually online. Um, it's usually in person type of training. You know, it depends on the situation. If it's new tech, a lot of these companies spend a lot of money to teach the surgeons how to use it, right? Because if you can teach someone how to use it, and then they'll start using it for all of their surgeries, that's a benefit to the company. Yeah. Um, so they go out of their way to have good training facilities. We're lucky in Seattle for a lot of the sports stuff that I do. We have uh, one of the companies is Arthrex, and they have a really good training, probably one of the best training facilities in the country in um, rent. Uh, so I'm able to go there and do the training facilities there and it's only, you know, a 20 minute drive from my house. Um, But not everybody's lucky enough to have that. So some people have to fly to certain places uh, for these type of things, you know, for a non cadaver, non sort of sanctioned, you know, just a helmet where you're going to try it on, you can practice it and hey, you can bring it by the office. You usually do that during lunchtime or when you have some time off. Um, But, you know, all these things are after hours or extra time things, but if it, if it benefits the patients, there's a lot of us um, that are willing to do this. Especially the ones that are trying to innovate, um, and continue to get better. You know, a lot of the guys in my group are really excited about all the future stuff and continuing to go to different courses and learn things and try to get better because, you know, we're in a tech market, right? Seattle is one of the techiest places in the country. Yeah. Um. And patients, like you said, they're spending hours on the internet looking us up, um, and they're trying to find the best, what they at least perceive as the best, which in a lot of times, you know, hopefully puts it out like that as well, um, and. So we're always trying to be on the cutting edge, but not too far ahead that you know, it's an untested method. So again, this is like the way that I like to look at advancements is there's ones that are big leaps. Those you have to be a little careful, like we talked about with the fertilized ACL. Yeah. And then there's small leaps where it's like, okay, we're going to change this implant slightly, make it a little bit more efficient. Okay, this makes sense. This is safe. And then I'm going to adapt that quicker than a bigger change where I'm like, I'm going to look at the data better.
0: Amazing. So, you know, I guess we're talking about a, a combination of a uh, mixed reality, right? You know, where uh, you interact in yeah, virtual. Reality. I
1: mean, you can virtually do this. Yeah. I mean, it can virtually do that, too. You can virtually be taught things with the 3D model. They'll on your computer with Zoom now, I mean, people can show you how you're going to do things um, in, three, in three dimensions. Like You don't have the glasses on, but they've got the whole 3D, mention, 3D printout and 3D, you know, they can turn things around, show you the bone from one side, okay, that's how it's going to work. Show you this from this side, that's how it's going to work. It's, it's, it's absolutely
0: i Kind of like in the movies. Yeah, I know, I know. That's what I'm thinking about right now. It's like, what movie did I see this in, you know? Um uh, what, what was a, a Minority Report? Remember, I don't know if you ever saw Minority Report with Tom Cruise. Um, it's a great movie if you get a chance, and they're doing a lot of um, technology like that. Anyway, I, I digress here. Um, I, I do you remember that
1: movie. That was good,
0: yes. Yeah, it was, it was a fantastic movie. Um, very underrated. I believe it was a Spielberg movie. Um, anyway, right? We, I guess we talk about everything here. That, that's one of the fun things. Um, I remember we did a show, and I teased you. I said, you know, we were talking about screws and plates and rods and everything else. I was like, are you a surgeon or a carpenter, right? You know, it's like, you're doing all of this work. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say here is, do you envision a future or not even, you know, envision it or where down the line are we going to be done with metal in the body? Is there something that, that you can... You know, have, have a thought process, or is it just too far out where we no longer insert rods and plates and things like that in our body, but we find a way to, whether it's, you know, 3D or, or whatever it is, you know, and I, now I don't, I don't want to get freaky and, and, you know, scary stuff when we're talking about stem cells and, and growing stuff, but can you envision mm-hmm. a future without metal in the body?
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, they already are different plates. They're just significantly more expensive, but they're carbon fiber, so you don't see them on X-ray. Okay. Um, they're carbon, but again, you have—it's all about strength ratios and understanding the physics behind it, right? You know, you have modulus, elasticity, figuring out whether you know, we're going to get a little nerdy, but nerdy. The, uh, you know, at some point, at some point, though, you have to have an, something that's inert that's not going to react with the body, yeah. and it's got to be strong enough to withstand—you know—long term. Again, these are all splints, right? They only last. If if they kept having no healing, and you had that metal thing in there, it would break eventually, right? So once the bone heals, then the splint no longer is needed, but obviously stays in there permanently unless you want to take it out. So again, there is definitely that stuff on the horizon, but you know, for some of the things, it's not been changed because it's sort of time tested. Um, But for some things, that there people are, we're continuing to look at that. But again, it's going to all be down to which we'll talk about next is costs. You know, it's uh, expensive, and who's going to pay for this? If it's a three times more expensive and, it, you know, it's not going to come out of the hospital's bill, I can tell you that they're not willing to pay for it.
0: Yeah, l- let's get right into it. I mean, you know, we're, let's segue right into the cost. I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, whether it's virtual reality, augmented reality, you know, mixed reality, you know, uh, 3D printing and, um, you know, future advancements. Um, just like you said, you know, whether it's carbon fiber or anything else. Um, let's talk about these costs because all of it sounds extremely expensive.
1: And it is. I mean, there are certain things that we do here um, that we've talked about with the cartilage stuff. And we've talked about with some of the special implants that there's not many places that can do that. I mean, in the United States, it's more common, especially in big cities. Yeah. Um, but, you know, outside the U.S., sometimes they don't even do them because they're too expensive or they're too hard to get. You know, cartilage transplants are much less frequently done in Europe um, for a number of different reasons. Uh, and yet it's mainstream here for a lot of surgeons to do it. You know, it's a very effective surgery, but it's expensive. I mean, it's amazing how much they charge for someone that recently passed away in a piece of their cartilage. Um, and then these product implants, I mean, a lot of times they say they're lumped in. So, you know, you pay for the implant, but every time they come, it's like a drug, right? Every time you come with a new drug, the old drug's cheaper and it's sort of the generic one, yeah. but everyone wants to have the new one because obviously they found a problem or something they wanted to fix or make it better. Um, but then that, that cost is jacked up too you know, two or three times the price. Um, so that's the way it works with these implants. And a lot of these things I told you about the augmented reality, the 3D printing, it usually comes at a lot lower cost because things are getting cheaper than they used to be yeah. to do these things. But it's still an added cost, you know, $500 here, $600 here. Um, and it all adds up in the end. And there's certain cases where it can't be covered, you know, and and, and you're not going to have the, um, you know, if the hospital won't pay for it, who's going to take care of it, you know, at, at some point. And again, a lot of these things are not, always proven to make a substantial difference. Um, in some cases, you know, again, there are certain surgeries are good success that are good success, but if you want that little extra, you know, that's sometimes that requires a cost. So,
0: you know, we, we know how the cost affects us, the patients, right? Um, how does it affect you, the doctor?
1: Well, uh, depends on the situation, you know, at certain places, the surgery center, you know, costs are pretty important because the costs are, you know, the, Physicians are part owners in that, and we want to make sure that we don't, you know, we're not overdoing the cost of the surgery to the actual surgery provided we get from that, right? Like, you know, and same thing with hospitals, like they're not going to do all their surgeries or all of their implants or all of their visits are not going to be more expensive than the cost is to do care, because then you wouldn't be able to pay for your employees or pay to continue on doing what you're doing. Yeah. And so you have to be aware of that. You know, if you don't look at that, you could be in the red pretty significantly, and so it is taken account to pretty much everything we do. You know, they always talk about these different costs that these hospitals deal with, but you know, there's in the end there's still costs. But everybody's different too. It's very complicated. I don't really want to waste the viewers um, or the listeners' time too much of it because you know every insurance company is different and every implant's different. Um, but in the end, you know, it's a big balance. It's a it's a business balance sheet where you got to make sure that you know in the end is a patient and you want to give them the best possible care. But at the same point, you also don't want something where these astronomical costs, because, you know, the United States is quite known for that.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, cost is, uh, it costs everything, right? I mean, you know, we deal with it, whether it's, you know, paying our rents or in trying to find the, the cheapest cable bill or, you know, anything like that, It's something that we're always kind of dealing with. Um, and, you know, and last thing on, on this, um, on the cost, uh, before we move on and wrap up the show, um, personally, personally right? Nobody's listening, right? Personally, is there frustration for you? Have you been hampered by cost to say, I want to do this, but I can't because of that. And I have to now change, you know, direction uh, for this procedure?
1: So that's a great question. And I don't want to make it too long. Um, I am lucky enough that the place that I work um, with the procedures that I do in type of insurance I'm able to get from my patients and things like that. I'm able to do most of the cases at the top that I want to do. So I'm not really worried too much about it. And again, it depends on the situation, but you know, the definitely places where it's different, um, and they're not you're not able to do things that you want to do because of the cost yep. of something um but for me you know I spend extra to not have any metal placed in my patients um I spend extra to do see like those uh, some fancier procedures that we do or cartilage transplants or things like that cuz I think it's worth it and in the end you know even if it's a break even or a slight loss um you help the patient you know they're happy they send more patients to you it's all about keep, keeping the patients happy which is highest priority to me but there's definitely I'm always thinking about it, you know, I'm always finding a way. Like, hey, how can I do this procedure for the patient, give them the best stuff, but still make it so that I'm still make it so that we're covering it, and we're able to do that. But it requires extra thought, and it's a process, and it's negotiation because implant companies are constantly saying, it, bring the cost down here," and negotiating those things. Um, there's slight frustrations and more at the hospital, but thankfully most of the stuff I do is at the surgery center. So I have a lot more control over that yeah. and that's actually way better for the patients. And we don't, I don't want to go into that too much, but I'm able to give them top quality stuff at a lower cost to them, you know, two or three times less at the surgery center with, you know, what I feel like is very skilled um, surgery and skilled implant coverage and skilled facilities. So.
0: Well, that that's perfect, and I and I think that's the, what stood out to me the most with that answer is, um, you're in thought, right? You, you, it's something that you have to think about, and something that, um, you know, you're you're being mindful of that situation. I think that's really important for us, the patients, to to have someone that's going to be mindful um, about their situation. Um, Let's talk about choosing medical providers as, uh, you know, they say 68% of patients say they're more likely to choose medical providers that offer the ability to book, change, cancel appointments online, so on and so forth. So as we wrap it up, let's just talk a little bit uh, about that.
1: So, yeah, I mean, that's important. I mean, online presence is crazy. I mean, it's it, it makes or breaks you in a big city like Seattle. Yeah. You know, if your online presence is poor, you're not a veteran here. You know, you see the patient numbers are not the same. You know, I, I probably have... Ninety videos online now, if not more, including our podcast. Um, And so, I want patients before they come in. Like you mentioned, you know, my whole thing when I first started was I wanted to put so many videos together that my patients came to see me. They're like, "Oh, I already know him." Yeah, right. Like he seems like he's a good guy. He seems like he's a nice guy. And that's the first (laughs) thing, you know. You want to feel comfortable with the person, and so and I and that's why I like these podcasts because I can be, you know, it's not so robotic. Right. You're not like, OK, I'm going to talk about my doctor stuff only and, yeah. then, you know, not miss the personality part, because even though you may only see me three or four times, I want to make sure the patients, you know, enjoy talking to a surgeon and feel comfortable if something happens, too, because like it's much easier if something happens, if we get along to try to figure out the problem. Cause I don't, I don't ever talk to patients about the best possible stuff, right? That's if you do well and we high five and my patients, if they heard this, they'll know that like I've said this many times, you know, that's the easy conversation, yeah. the hard conversation and there's a problem, right? And how do you deal with the problem? Because that's not, that's the one where, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're the doctor in there and you just feel terrible, right? You just want to make this better. Yeah. And if you have, if your personality is something that matches with a patient and they can get through that, that's the best possible scenario. I mean, thankfully we don't have too many of those. But nonetheless, you know, the whole level has got to be comfortable. My patients, and I tell them all the time, is like, if you're not comfortable with me doing the surgery for you or you're not comfortable with the situation, then you sure as heck shouldn't do it with me. Um, and if you're comfortable with it, then you're going to do way better. And it's crazy because it really works. I mean, it's, it's patients are on board fully and they decide on elective surgery. They do so much better. It's a mental thing. And we that's a whole other show, too so we keep coming up
0: with ideas yeah we got plenty of ideas and you know we've talked about it before and and I'll mention it again and whoever's listened to multiple shows I'll always say the same thing you know you've mentioned you know go get second opinions make sure you're comfortable with your doctor I mean this is out of the doctor's mouth not mine you have said this yourself uh, over and over again Mm -hmm. you know you want your patients to feel a certain way a certain comfort and and be sure to come in and talk sports with Dr. Garcia and uh, you know uh, getting out in the water and swimming. And uh, I, I sent a friend of mine over there to uh, Dory and Dory, I, I believe was uh, talking, ahead, talking your head off. So she's a little jibber jabber. Yeah. and uh, But it's just great. And, and that, that says more about you and your personality and the comfort. So uh, it's, just, it's just great to hear. And, um, and it's important. It, it's more than just a cut and dry situation because um, we feel uncomfortable. Most of us feel uncomfortable already walking into your office. And not personal, it's just, we're usually going in there for a reason and, and we're concerned and we want to feel better and we want to get better. And, you know, when you can have other things put you at ease, it, it just makes the whole uh, process so much better.
1: I couldn't agree more. And I, and I feel for the patients. So, you know, the, the key here is, and we'll say it again, it make you feel comfortable, but understand, you know, obviously you've got a problem, so we got to figure it out. Um, but, you know, here we're going to approach the best we can give you the best possible tech we can that's the safest try to make sure we do everything the best um that we can possibly do and that's uh what we keep striving for so
0: all right, this was supposed to be a short show and you know, once again we're getting close to 30 Never. minutes. You know, uh, th- there's so much I have got other things to talk about, but you know, we'll-, we'll go down the rabbit hole. Listen, grantgarciamd.com, orthopedic specialist of seattle.com. Uh, check out the- his website also. He's got a-, a list of our shows and, you know, covering a, a litany of topics. Uh, Dr. Garcia, happy holidays. Wish you and your family the very best. I hope you get a little R&R. Have a little bit of fun and uh, just really enjoy yourself.
1: Thank you. You too. Have a happy holidays and happy holidays to all the, uh, the listeners and uh, we look forward to catching up in the new year again.
0: That is Dr. Grant Garcia, orthopedic surgeon and sports medicine specialist. Uh, once again, take care, Dr. Garcia.